Welcome back, lovely listeners. Here we are, another Sunday. What a joy it is to be alive and not alone. Today, we have the sweet fortune of a guest. His name is Brendan. Hello. Brendan, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good, you know? You got a KC hat on. Uh, is that what it... Okay, so I'm... For the Royals? Uh... It, this is news to me. I'm I'm wildly illiterate, oh. so I, I actually thought that was my initials. Can you imagine if you were actually illiterate? <laughs> how difficult life would be. That would be that would be very rough. Yeah. I uh, was listening recently to this podcast that's come out. This one? No, a different one called "The Witch oh. Trials of J.K. Rowling." Oh. It's all about J.K. Rowling and all of that stuff that went on. Very well done podcast. I actually mm-hmm. really really enjoyed it. But in one of the episodes, the hostess speaks to a woman that studied the Puritan-era Salem witch trials, and she talked about Mm -hmm. how that was one of the most literate societies, like, in history up until that point, you know, because it was New America, it was in Boston, and all this stuff, Massachusetts or whatnot, and she talked about how the reason it was such a big deal partially is because so many people were literate and able to actually like study the law and different things. And they were trying to do these witch trials actually like in, in like full observance of the letter of the law. Yeah. And actually like, but had the capacity to actually study all that and know it. And cause I feel that our image of that time is like, Oh, all these Puritans that didn't know anything and were just, Burning yeah. witches and yeah. whatnot. I mean, it, it is kind of funny that they're, you know, they're trying to be like stickler for the rules and like figure out the proper way to do everything. And then looking back and like for witches, right. <laughs> like so they could see if they could burn these witches. Yeah. It's so legally. wild. <laughs> I never read The Crucible or watched it. No. But I'd like to because I've heard it's very good. Yeah. I, I mean... Yeah, I think that was probably some sort of required reading in high school, but I probably I well, I did not for me, but yeah, I did. Well, that's I did Great Expectations huh. uh, our well, freshman Dickens. year, yeah, nice. and after that, I swore to never read another English assigned reading again. Oh because wow! I you didn't like it. There was like, I never read Great Expectations. There was two sentences in that book that were. Mildly entertaining, and it's you the know, rest didn't get you. Uh, yeah, the rest I was just like, w- w- When does this book get good? Uh, huh. yeah, that was, and the two sentences were when Mish Haversham caught on fire and fell out a window. Oh, wow! And then I was like, Well, now I'm very bored. <laughs> oh. I, I did try to break that, that oath to never read uh, another English assigned project. Uh, with the Scarlet Letter, my junior year. Oh wow! Which I believe it was page seventeen. There was wow one paragraph that took up about two thirds of the page, and I believe it had fourteen commas and Whoa. was just one sentence. That whole wow. paragraph was one sentence with fourteen commas. I tried reading it about five times. And my brain could not make sense of it. And I said, Sounds like a run on. I'm done. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, that's all I was thinking was, you know, we're in this. I wouldn't be allowed to write a sentence like this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was so mad. Oh, how the times have changed. So it took me 17 pages to uh, 
to give up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to go back That's to funny. my, I'm never reading another <laughs> English assigned book ever again. Um, so. and you went to school in Kansas. Yes. Yes. And the, the, the KC does stand for Kansas city, right. not necessarily but Royals. Were just you Kansas in Kansas city? city? No, no, I was not. I was no. in uh, a small town called McPherson, uh, hmm. not McPherson. There's no fear in McPherson. For. Yes. M C P H E R S O N. McPherson. Uh, McPherson. Uh, oh yeah. I know a farmer over there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, historically the place where, uh, one Timothy McVeigh bought a lot of fertilizer wow. for, uh, an event known as the Oklahoma city bombing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In so. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's your guys' claim to fame. Huh? Uh, we <laughs> also <laughs> used to be, I was, I heard someone talking about it. Uh, like our nickname was like the city of lights. And apparently huh. we were like way back in the day, just, installed super a, electrified yeah installed a bunch of really bright lights that the small tiny town in the middle of kansas did not need wow. but i do like thinking yeah. about the history of the midwest you know oh, yeah. in during the like the oregon trail days and mm-hmm. all the stuff that was going on and the fact mm-hmm. that kansas city was called paris of the plains <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah i don't know just to imagine coming across kansas city after traveling through fields and fields of nothing, yeah, and it then, would seem kind of shocking. Oh, I imagine so, yeah. And wasn't Wyatt Earp, wasn't the cowboy, didn't he go to Kansas City? Or? Dodge City, Dodge I believe, City. Is, is where he was. Right. He made his name as a lawman. Did they end up um, going to Kansas City ever? I don't know. I'm not sure. My, my favorite uh, Kansas historical figure would be John Brown. So who was that again? Famous abolitionist who right. really was a, a linchpin of the Civil War really beginning. Um, and so, you know, Kansas was entering the Union during that time. Um, and uh, and it was usually, you know, as things were happening back then, usually two states would enter at, a, at a, the same time. Um and, you know, one being a slave state, one being a free state, and that kept the, everything in balance and whatnot, and Kansas was uh, entering on its own. And so a lot of southern states were sending people up um, to intimidate and badger mm-hmm. and and try to enforce their will on Kansas and to get Kansas to join as a slave state. Uh, and then a bunch of abolitionists led by John Brown, showed up. He's originally, I, I believe he was originally from Pennsylvania, but I mean, okay. homesteaded in Kansas and everything, and just went to war with wow, the, the, all the Confederates the, yeah, there. the slavers and everything there, and then uh, eventually went back out east and took over a um, an armory, a southern armory at Harper's Ferry, Virginia, and hold up there for a while. His plan was to take over the armory and to arm the slaves of the area. Yeah. Uh, and, and start to start a rebellion. Wow. uh, From that point. And, um, was, was eventually cornered and shut down at Harper's Ferry, but it was, um, a very, uh, Valiant effort, very valiant effort, and a very uh, important. I keep doing this like clicking thing. Moment. It's going to be very yeah. Oh, no worries. That uh, yeah, a, a, an important moment. Like shortly after that, the Civil War 
launched and okay. and that was so this was all leading yeah. up to it yeah and he you know and he was Kansas friends with fought on the union side uh, yeah right? so eventually because of the efforts of okay. john brown and those abolitionists wow kansas joined as as a a, a free state yeah um, so did iowa yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the mild mild west <laughs> not quite south i had not uh not heard that one before. no that's great i love it that's great well that. that's cool that you're from Kansas, dude. And you came to San Antonio in 2015. In 2015. That is eight years ago, which is... Yeah, how do you feel? Do you... Old. Well, that's all right. <laughs> You're not. That's yeah, uh, relatively. You're still young, Look, dude. Look, I, I worked with... I worked with... Old this day and age is like 80. If you're 80, you can say you're old. Anything before 80... So my dad. Your dad's 80? My dad's 80. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Good for him. 81 in September. Well, it makes sense yeah. for a dad to be old. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Most people would, I, I feel like they'd think he's my grandfather, which is valid because, you know. He had you he when was, he was quite old. Uh, yeah. I, he was, I'd, I went through all this math just like the other week. I believe he would have been, he would have been 48 when he had me. Wow. Yeah. And, my dad was 40. Yeah. Well, my parents were 39. Hmm. When they got pregnant with me in 40 when they had me. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my, my mom was, well, my dad was 48. My mom was 27. So. Oh, wow. Slight age difference. Quite a gap there. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's kind of, maybe, maybe a reason why it didn't work out, you know? Uh, Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all right. Yeah. That's, you know, they're both. Do you still, are they both in Kansas? No. So my mom is in Utah. Okay. Uh, now in Fountain Green, Utah. I like uh, Utah. Oh, it's... It's uh, gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And your dad... Some of it is gorgeous. Right. Some of it's pretty bland. It's it's crazy looking at, like, the population map of Utah, because mm. it's got a pretty high population number, but then you just look and, you know, what like, a, it's like a heat map, and it's all just red down one canyon, and then everything yeah. else is, like, light green. There's, like, four people per, <laughs> right. like, 20 square miles everywhere else. Yeah, some of it's so barren. Oh, yeah, yeah, uninhabitable. My parents, like, going to Moab. Oh, Moab. Because they, they got a Jeep. They're Jeep yes, people. Yes, the, the slick huh. rock. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. rock crawlers. <laughs> but uh yeah, my dad my dad still is is in in McPherson. Um nice. And uh, you know, remarried now. Uh, okay. And and so we uh Do you get to see your folks very often? Uh I actually I just saw my mom nice. uh two weeks ago. Thirteen days, not quite two weeks. I'm sorry, I Almost. lied. Yeah, well, you, yeah. you can get away with it. Uh, yeah, she. Uh, so her husband's son, and uh, yes, technically my stepbrother, but uh, yeah. I've never met the guy, so he doesn't. Get oh, the, really? The brother title. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. The my my mom has been married to Don um, for. There's the click again. I'm so. It's a I'm thinking so click. My, yes. It's okay, man. Yeah, it's okay. I know. I know. You're doing Just, great. Just so in my head about the get out of well, because I know I, I mean I know audio stuff and so those kind of noises are <laughs> always it's all right a lot um but uh so they've been married since 2018 and okay, I nice. did not as as I moved to San Antonio in 2015 I was not right. in Utah in oh you didn't get to go to the wedding 
Uh, well, there's another all another a factor thing. of okay. you know I can't go to the wedding wedding. Uh, I am not a member of the Mormon Church. So, oh, okay, okay. But, uh, yeah. Wow. So did your did your mom grow up Mormon or convert to Mormonism? Uh, like what version of the story do you, you want? Like the long version? I, yeah, the I mean, short well, whatever version? you want to share, I guess, or you want like whatever's the, you, been like the full, your, your story, you know? The full wagon train version? Is that <laughs> what I mean, don't go, we don't need to go back to Joseph Campbell. That was his jo- name, right? Joseph Smith. Right, whatever. Smith. Joseph. Sorry. I feel like I know. No, well, so, so yeah, when I... Did you grow up Mormon? S- kind of. Okay. Slightly. I would, which is funny. I was, I was listening to uh, your your conversation with Chris, Chris from the other yeah. week. So it was, it was two Mormons in uh, a row. I know, right? Hit the, hit I've the, tried to have an actual devil. Mormon on the show. Like the missionaries? Yeah, and they aren't allowed to do it. Oh, Every time wonder, I've asked them, they they say that they're mm. they can't. They say I can speak to a member of the church, but their elders won't let them. Go on a podcast or something. That makes. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of like order and structure to the. Oh, yes. Actual, if you're a missionary. Yes, yes. There's there's a lot of hoops that you got to jump through just to. Yeah. Just to even be able to communicate like with your family and wow. everything. So yeah, usually we didn't get to talk to like my sisters and stuff unless it was a holiday and wow. and then you could a lot of like the emails and everything you could kind of tell were read and mm-hmm. potentially edited um by third parties so yeah it's That's a, so interesting yeah it is um but no so i i uh i grew up free methodist while, okay. when my parents were together um and and that was you know in mcpherson uh and uh, another another commonality that I have learned from the podcast is I was also homeschooled through oh, right uh, through third grade. Um, nice. And uh, and then in third grade, and and I'm, I mean, as you know, with homeschooling, you kind of get to do your own thing and make your own curriculum. It's pretty chill, everything. right? And then while we we're doing school when I was in, when I was in third grade. Uh, there's this like weird day that my mom was like, Hey, uh, we get this really cool opportunity. Um, there's a wagon train going through town and you can like sign up to go ride the wagon train for a day. And so it was this group of people that, uh, were recreating the gold rush. Um, it was the sesquicentennial, which means 150 year, uh, which I only know that is because I was, Part of the 150-year recreation of the gold rush. Wow. And so it started in Atchison, Kansas, northeast Kansas, um, and ended in Sacramento, California. My so it, goodness. The whole wagon train took about like five months. And so as they would come through towns and everything, uh, you know, they'd, they'd let schools know um, and uh, newspapers and whatnot do press releases and say, you know, you can come and... Join yeah, like, the wagon? Yeah, like if, yeah, if you want to ride it for a day, and then we can like give demonstrations, and people would have like different talks and wow, and so whatnot. just like an interactive historical. Yeah, yeah, really experience. cool, really, really awesome. I mean, especially as you know, like a nine and a half year old, I was like, this is so cool. I'm just outside <laughs> yeah, Oregon Trail. All day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, like this hope is, no one gets dizzy. Yeah, uh, 
And so, so we wrote it for the day when it, when it came through. And then a couple weeks later, uh, my mom was like, Hey, we're going to go, we'll go jump on the wagon train for a week. We'll catch up to it in Dodge city. Uh, I, uh, Wyatt Earp was not there. Um, <laughs> and, and so we caught up to it in Dodge city, wrote it for another week. Uh, and then came back home. And then a little while later, my mom was like, we're just going to go finish the wagon train. Wow. Yeah. And so my dad stayed and she got hooked. And yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so my dad stayed and you know, he worked, turns out you can't have, you know, a family of six with two non-working parents for three and a half months. Right. Um, so, so he stayed and stayed behind and worked and he caught up to us every once in a while. Like he'd, he'd drive out, meet us wherever we were and, and spend like the weekend with us. And then, drive back home for work on Monday. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so me and my older brother and two younger sisters and my mom spent about three and a half months on this wagon train. So we caught up in like Eastern Colorado and finished it out. And this was, this was wagons like with like covered wagons, like horses, wagons with horses, mules. And yeah. Uh, um, wow. For the listener, um, this what is a very school ex- thing. Yes, right. <laughs> that is, <laughs> and that's and that's what's crazy about it uh, is I like, it, I just as from then on I would just like reference oh the wagon train in like everyday conversation. As if everybody yeah, did that because I'm nine years old. I'm like oh like this is what life is right. <laughs> like this is this is ever like everybody wow. knows this. Everybody goes on like their wagon train and whatnot. It wasn't until like my sophomore year of high school when I was like, well, that was a very, that was nuts. That was a very unique <laughs> was, experience. Yeah. Like that was <laughs> crazy. So uh, you can oh and you. Yeah, wow. Uh so for the listener this He's showing you know, me photos. Of, yeah, in this uh in this this audio medium what's this, very exciting is there's a very visual aspect of pictures of me on the wagon train. What What year was this? 1999. Okay. That Gold Rush the 1849. 90s, right. 49ers. Okay. Got so Sasquatch Cuz it looks like 1849. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except for the road signs. And it's so a little Did yeah. you cuz so you guys were free Methodists? Yes. At this point. Yes. And did that... In, it's all come together. Did that, I'm not super familiar with the free Methodist denomination. Yeah. Um, Pretty small. Fairly fundamentalist? Uh, I mean, yeah, traditional. traditional? Yeah. Um, you know, it's still uh, a, a mainline um, denomination. Uh, not as, like, traditional as a lot of uh, Southern Methodist. Okay. Um, I mean like, or United Methodist, like we, you know, we had choir robes for a while and stuff like mm-hmm. when I was growing up, but then, you know, eventually it switched over to guitars and contemporary worship and everything. Gotcha. And, uh, and, but yeah, I mean, value wise and, and everything traditional conservative, sure. um, what, what you would label that. I mean, really like everything, it, it started out as a part of the United Methodist church and then, uh, split you know, off well, yeah. at some point. And, and, and a lot, a large reason of that was, uh, was an abolitionist movement within the church and wanting to stand for, oh, wow. um, you know, yeah, the freedom of people, free right. Methodist. And then also, you know, there used to be a practice of, uh, charging, for like seating in church mm. and you know, the more you paid the closer you got to sit and, and everything. And, 
and free Methodist wow. was as well. We're going to, yeah, we'll be, I'm more on board with that. Yeah. Free. Just like come that. to church. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we were, we, we were free Methodists and then, and then we went on this wagon train, had this insane experience, um, and, and whatnot. And, and shortly after, uh, we got back, uh, is when my parents split up and, uh, you know, they were, they were already having troubles and, yeah. and everything. And, and that was part of the wagon train was, you know, time of separation, uh, and everything. Mm. And so after, after the wagon train, my mom's like best friend that she had made on the wagon train helped her find a job out in Utah, which I, you know, come to learn that like most of the wagon train were people who lived in Utah. Um, okay. And, and later come to find out most of the, the wagon train were, were Mormons. Right. And I, I had no concept of this as a nine year old. I didn't yeah. know what that was. It'd be wild um, to think if it was all just like a big, uh, like Mormon mission trip. But they did it as like, hey, it's been yeah. 150 years since the gold rush. This is a perfect opportunity. We can get a bunch of wagons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was some like uh, definitely some uh, religious diversity there, but but majority Mormon. And yeah, yeah, I think I think some of some of it probably had some uh, some evangelizing, some proselytizing right. um, desires for it. Yeah, it's just so wild yeah. to think about. Well, and, and like recreation and every like reenactments and stuff, right. it's like a big thing, you know, a lot of Mormon people be like super into like, you know, like the civil war recreation and, and whatnot. Wow. And, you know, this was just, instead of one battle, it was, you know, one five month long wagon train one so, journey. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so what an experience. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. And, and to have that at nine years old, that would, that would be a lasting Oh, impacting thing. Uh, I hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still have, I still have so many vivid memories of, yeah. Yeah. Just I grew up all day outside with animals. Yeah. I grew up in a very low population town way up in the mountains in Colorado. Mm. And we were similar in the way of homeschooled. Yeah. And like my mom was like a Wendell, homesteader right? woman because like she cooked on a antique wood stove and wow. we lived in a log cabin. Oh. And looking back, it's just I'm I realized like, well, that was quite unique. Yeah. You know? was, <laughs> yeah. Most people did not have that right. upbringing. But it's yeah. It's I wouldn't just, trade it though. I I'm like oh, so thankful for it, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like I like I view the wagon train as such like a, a pivotal moment in yeah. my life. And you That's know so wild. that a lot of that pivot had a lot of hardships and everything for to sure. It. And you know, I did not handle my my parents' separation well at all. Yeah, and, how could you? Yeah, um, and you know that was there's a lot of confusion with you know. You, you, did was it? They, did you have to move? Yeah. So so when my so uh, when Cheryl Lee, my mom's my mom's friend from the wagon train, helped her find a job out in Utah after the split and. Uh, and so initially all the kids went with my mom, um, but they, they had joint custody still, mm. even though they're split up between states. And, um, and so it started that we literally were just doing like half the year in Utah, half the year in Kansas. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. And we did that one year, my, yeah. my fourth grade year. 
And that was, that was enough for my parents. Um, cause it was just, yeah, it was just too much to handle. And yeah. so we started doing, uh, the school years in Utah and then the summers in Kansas with my dad. Um, and so, and did that's that when make you, did that make you like Kansas more or yeah, Utah more? Cause I, I feel like to go to school in one place and then get to do <laughs> summer in the other, it yeah. would be hard not to. And, and well, so that was, that was definitely part of the, just like my difficulty with, I just, I just never, um, have, have dealt with change well. Uh, mm. I mean, especially as a kid. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I always, I always like longed for my relationships and friendships and stuff back in right. Kansas. Um, and, you know, got, got very angry, uh, with, with the separation and with the divorce and with, you know, a, a lot of change, um, yeah. all the time. Like our, so the set schedule ended up being, you know, we would go to, we'd go to Kansas for the summers. Um, but we would also go out there for Christmas break. And so my dad would come out there and pick us up, drives back for, you know, two weeks and then drives back to, to Utah and, right. and drops off again. And so there's just a lot of, you know, big shifts and big travel and, um, you know, cramped minivans with five of us in there for 14 yeah. hours. Are you the youngest? Uh, I am the second oldest of four. Oh, okay. Wow. So yeah, my, uh, my brother, uh, is a year and a half older than me. And then my two younger sisters, uh, my brother's Jarrett and my uh, younger sister, Andrea is four years younger than my youngest sister. Mallory is six years younger. So nice. I was like 54 when, when Mallory was born. So Wait, what? My your dad, dad? Oh, your my dad, dad was, was 54. 54 when, when wow. my youngest sister was born. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. 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 Man. And did, do you feel that the separation and all of that traveling made you grow closer as siblings or uh, not as much? Certain ones. I think, I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, my, my brother separated from the family a lot, just emotionally and everything. And, and he eventually ended up, um, moving out when he was like 17. But I w I was actually the first one to, to leave my mom's house. Um, because I, I had just a lot of anger and blame towards her mm. because of, you know, I, I, my whole thinking was like, Oh, well you're like the adult, you know, you're the one who's supposed to have this figured out and everything. And, right. and you made the choice to, to leave my dad and to move us out here and everything. And, you know, that ruined my whole childhood. Like mm -hmm. I, I told her multiple times in her face throughout my childhood, like you, you ruined my, my one shot at childhood, uh, which I feel very bad about and have apologized multiple times <laughs> nice. for, uh, cause that's awful to say. Um, especially as you just grow older and realize like, Oh, she didn't know what she was doing. Right. Cause adults don't know what Parents they're are doing. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Big kids. Yeah. <laughs> like she had never had four children and then right. had to separate and be a single mom, yeah. and, you know, and with no money and, uh, having to get back into a teaching career after taking, wow. yeah. you know, what, 12 years off to take care of her children and, yeah. and to homeschool. And so yeah. then in Utah, she remarries to a Mormon eventually. Was that yeah. while you guys were all still kids or did she... No, did that not happen until quite a bit later? So, uh, cause then I'm curious if it, if there was like a pressure 
for all of you to convert to Mormonism yeah. as kids yeah. or so so yeah so we when we went out there initially um my understanding was like there was there was an understanding between her and my dad that you know because of the joint custody and everything that uh you know we wouldn't just go to the Mormon church at all my dad did not want us exposed to that and mm. um but eventually we did just after a few months and and the area of Utah that we moved into uh was just very, very heavily Mormon. Um, like most of Utah. Yeah. I mean, it's, what's, what's weird is like when people think of the Mormon church, they think of Salt Lake because, you know, the temple's there and that's right. kind of where the headquarters are. But that's actually that's the least Mormon place. Yes. In it's, Utah. it's the most diverse area in Utah. Um, yeah. We were down in Utah Valley, uh, which is like over 65% Mormon, which having one area be that much like one demographic yeah. is crazy. Like there's yeah. just like, there's no other area of that size. Have you ever like listened to the band Rip Momney? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he's I a, love that. He does great. But yeah, I think he, he grew up in Utah and in, in the mm, Mormon church. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think he considers himself a Mormon yeah, anymore, but yeah. Yeah, but I've, Brandon Flowers of the Killers is right. Yeah, which and is I, weird. I'm I curious didn't. about that too, because yeah. like his that one album that he put out with a bunch of recordings and stuff. That yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, most albums he, have and recordings, he seems, so that doesn't really narrow no, it down. No, I know, but I mean, it was like <laughs> it was like conversations and old timey sounding things, and mm, I don't know if but, I that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a weirder one, but yeah, his. And Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. He's also yeah. more. John Heater. Yeah. yeah. I interviewed him one time. What? For seven minutes at nice. a Comic Con. That's awesome. <laughs> He's the only celebrity I've had on the show. <laughs> but <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I did not know that. So funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we moved. At first, we moved to a small town called Nephi. Um, and, and yeah, just everyone there. Everyone there was Mormon. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so eventually, you know, you're in that community, all, like I said, most of my mom's influences from the wagon train were Mormon as well. And, and so the, uh, we, we just eventually started going to the Mormon church there, you know, there, there's no real way to enforce like my dad's, you know, desires for that. Right. Um, and, and so we started going there. When yeah, it was sometime during my fourth grade year when I was like ten or eleven, uh, and then, uh, but the agreement that my parents came to in that was, you know, well, since we aren't going to land on the same page faith-wise, like they're just the kids aren't allowed to get baptized or join a church until they're eighteen mm. and you know legal adults and making the decision themselves, right? Uh, and and so. It was it was just us, just the you know, just the family, um, and f uh, from like I was out there from fourth through eighth grade, and then like I said, I my mom and I's relationship uh, just was deteriorating, and um, and my anger was you know had a lot to do with that, and and she wasn't you know in, in the healthiest spot after mm -hmm. after the divorce, and and you know figuring out how to navigate. 
four right all that four kids and single motherhood and yeah and one of them being uh well, a couple of them being very out of line with you know what she would hope for i would think most yeah. parents would hope for uh and and so after my eighth grade year uh i was just really unhappy with a lot of my friendships out in Utah, um, and, but especially, you know, my life at home. And so I was like, you know, I, I, I know how this works. I have a choice. <laughs> like neither right. of you have full custody, so I'm going to go live with dad. And so I moved in, um, with my dad full time on my own. And, you know, my siblings, uh, were still coming out Well, my sisters at least were still coming out for the summers. Um, Jarrett would come out and visit every once in a while. He, he ended up doing a semester uh of his senior year in kansas um, okay but so, so yeah you, so you I made the decision separated. to go to kansas yeah and be there for high school yeah high school and college um, my dad nice. worked at a college uh, you know oh. like my whole life and so i got wow. free tuition so that was pretty oh that's nice pretty easy no-brainer yeah yeah uh man yeah, yeah. What'd you go to college for? Uh, i went to college for student ministry which okay is a uh, where at it's a, a, a school there in, in McPherson called Central Christian College of Kansas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, which is great. Like, I mean, it tiny. Like, yeah. Tiny little Bible college. Oh, yeah. So many people are like, oh, I went to a tiny school. And I'm like, no, you went to a small school. <laughs> I had about 300 people on campus. And did you ever hear of the... Bernard College? Bernard, no. Bernard know. College was in Oskaloosa, Iowa. And mm. it was a little Bible college. Mm. Very similar. Like, uh, yeah, I don't I know say. if they ever had 300 yeah, students, right. you know, but I met a bunch of folks mm-hmm. that went there and super awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like those small Bible colleges because they feel, I don't know, they sort of feel disconnected from the, the mainstream academic world. Yeah. You know, I, in a positive way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I always, I always talk about like if I had gone to like a state school or something, I absolutely would have, you know, failed out like first semester because, <laughs> you know, I would not make it in 500 person gen ed classes yeah. you know, where you're only getting taught by the TA and the right. professor. And I feel no that it would be so are. much more intimate at a small school where, yeah. you know, you yeah. can actually like get to know your professors. And yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, cool. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I grew up a block and a half away from one of my professors right. and went to, you know, went to church with him all growing up. Was um, your dad a professor? No, he was the, he was the director of the finance office. Okay. Um, so, you know, nice. dealing with all the money coming in and everything. Yeah. And so, I is mean, he started out, still open. Yeah. Um, cool. it is, I, I know, I know it's had a, yeah, had its ups and downs for sure. But well, yeah, I, still... because like Venard had to close. Mm, set, you know, yeah. and I, I think that's a lot of yeah. small Bible colleges that. I I think I think Central's doing a lot to, um, to continue to grow and nice. and try to expand and and just keep itself, you know. I but I do know it was in a lot. Of, you know, there's yeah. uh, very. Very few people more qualified to tell you that it's in a lot of debt than my dad, who <laughs> right. was in charge of the books for, for sure. thirty-seven years. Um, and yeah, so so yeah, I went I went there. Um, you know, studied studied youth ministry. A lot of that uh, youth ministry, my desire to be a youth pastor, came out of that. This you know that uh, the Mormon and and Protestant 
dichotomy uh, right. juxtaposition. And so when I, when I moved in, uh, with my dad, um, I just had a lot of questions, you know, about like the difference in teachings and, right. uh, for a while when I was living out in Utah and spending most of my time there, I was convinced like I, like I got up in church one Sunday, um, out in Utah and, and told them like, well, I, I mean, just everyone, everybody I know is, is Mormon and like, everyone's so nice and like, yeah, uh, just, I just feel so like, you know, loved and, and, and everything. So like, I, this has got to be the true church. And so like, I'm going to mm. join this church when I'm 18, uh, told them that. And then like a year and a half later, it was like, uh, actually I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. but so I, you know, I got out, I got out to Kansas and, and I was meeting with, uh, with my youth pastor who had like just, just started there. It was like his first year. Mm. He had been an intern a while ago and I almost made him quit, uh, when <laughs> I was there for the summer. Um, no, his, his name's, his name's Zach Fleming, uh, and still just one of the, you know, one, uh, a very big mentor in my life and one mm. of the most important figures in my life. Um, but he would sit down with me like every week and, you know, we'd go meet for lunch or whatever. And, and, uh, and just, I'd, you know, berate him with all these questions and, and all yeah. this conversation and stuff about, well, you know, what's the, like, what's the Mormon church saying about this? Like, what's that? Well, you know, why, why are these things different? And, and there'd be so many times where he's like, I don't know. I got to look at that up. Yeah. And he'd come back the next week and say, you know, like one of the, you know, one of the big ones is like, well, why? Why, why is the Mormon church talking about like three levels of heaven and like, mm. what, what is that about and everything? And he came back and he was like, so I you know, looked that up and they're basing that off this passage in first Corinthians. And, and so like, I, I went to like the Greek to see like how they would translate it to get mm. this, well, like and all this. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's like, so when, cool that he did that. Oh man. Yeah. I think that that there's so many, young people, especially, you know, and in your particular situation to have such a wide representation of each, you know, Mm -hmm. based on your dad and then Mm -hmm. just the whole experience of being so involved in it in Utah. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that he was there for you to go through that, you know, because I think of how many people or just students in particular that don't have anyone like that, yeah. you know, where, yeah. well, and that's, and, and that's why I, now mm-hmm. with the internet too, it's just, mm-hmm. there's so many ideas and thoughts that we're all getting. Well, and, and also just, with. <laughs> just the, the, the busyness of adults, you know, right. like this, this Gen Z, these upcoming generations and stuff, they have, they have some of the least, you know, like adult interaction, like, like adult, presences outside of you know either just it's mostly just like teachers coaches and and family right um and that's you know you think of the old adage you know it takes a village to to raise a child and all of a sudden it's it makes sense most of the village is like "Uh, somewhere else get on your phone yeah get on your phone or like you who's you're paid to do this you do it i can't yeah um that's something I, so. looking back, I really appreciate about being homeschooled hmm. because I feel my parents understood the importance of us as kids being around adults a lot. You yeah. Know, yeah. Where you, you were talking about I didn't that. have many people my age that mm-hmm. I hung out with a ton, mm-hmm. but I was with 
and I was the youngest of four where all, and all my older siblings were my sisters. Right. And so I was with them and their friends sometimes, but they would usually get annoyed having their little brother around. So yeah. I played by myself a lot and I still had some friends, but it, being homeschooled, you don't have like your class, you know? Right. And so then when I moved to Iowa, I finally went to Christian school and mm-hmm. that was my first time having students that were my age yeah. that I saw every day, you know? Yeah. And that was cool. But I do really appreciate, and I think it made me more socially comfortable being around adults at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times I feel people think homeschoolers are antisocial or don't know how to yeah. talk to people, but and, I think it depends on and, a and lot it's, of factors. It's, but. it's also interesting watching like that uh, that generalization impact like homeschoolers themselves, even though they are right. socialized. And like one of my good friends um, was, was homeschooled all through high school and everything. And and he's like, he's one of the most like sociable people and know, again, knows those yeah. interactions and everything. But he always like just kind of had uh, like this insecurity about him of like, well, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know that. I didn't right. get those and opportunities. It's such a, and yeah. people also are so quick to assume and, yeah. Just kind of pigeonhole people into one understanding. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um man. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was those those conversations and that relationship with Zach, like you said, that had such a big impact on me that I was that that I wanted to pursue student ministry because I was mm-hmm. just like this this is so profoundly meaningful to me. And yeah. you know, I found hope in uh in, in what I believe is truth in this and uh and I want you know, I want to be able to to be there for people um, and and kids, especially other you know like like young people, um, yeah, that are experiencing like that same hurt and anger and and I mean obviously not many people are experiencing hurt from you know uh, having to choose between different religions because of a wagon train, uh, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> pretty unique. Experience. Uh, yeah, but, but but just everybody's yeah. got something. Yeah, that and 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 so just wanting you know. Again, just to to share share the hope that um, that I was given in that, and uh, and so that's you know that's what pushed me towards youth ministry, and and then you know uh, you know and you know, some of it was was just I knew that I was gonna go to Central, <laughs> like right? That. So yeah, it, was, it made sense. It was like that. It was between you know like that and elementary education, and you know I wanted to work with kids um, at that point, and uh, but yeah, just youth ministry, just sort of. Just one out, and um, yeah, so. That's cool. Hey, we've been talking for about 42 minutes. Let's take a break. Yeah, because you like to do this in two parts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we got a lifetime listener here on the show this week, friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> First time guest, lifetime listener. Uh, yeah, I, I've been emailing him, and he. Oh, constantly. Said, yeah, uh, <laughs> but he just told me I that. I really need he, to check that email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get to it. Hey, don't go anywhere, friends. We'll be right back. Here we are again, beloved. It's the second hour now. What a joy. What a delight. Still with me, Brendan Burge. Is that it? Is Burge? Burge. You got it. Yeah. Burge. That's, yeah. Most, most the wagon Berg. Twi- the wagon train pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> that is yes, that is. Uh, yeah. 
You know, the just, almost Mormon yeah. youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. So you went. You became. You went to college for youth pastor, and True. then did you become a youth pastor? Yeah. Uh, well, so first I I, um, I worked at a camp um, after college for nice. about a year and a half um, down here in the hill country. That was how I got uh, cool. connected to Texas. As actually, so it was. Uh, during college, I went and was a counselor for like our local Zach, you know, took our middle schoolers for the, my home church, um, up to a camp in Wisconsin, uh, called Sky Lodge Christian camp. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to be a counselor there, uh, while my sisters were there and everything for the summer, which was really cool because of the, you know, the whole religious aspect intention in our family. Um, so it was really cool and, and, uh, really special to me to get to share those, those moments and those, those weeks with them. Um, it was also really funny cause, uh, I somehow, I, I mean, I don't even remember the specifics at this point, but like somehow kept it a secret that I was there the first year that they were both going <laughs> and that I was like going to be a counselor for the week even though like we were all riding up, like I had, like I stayed like hidden in the other vans and stuff. <laughs> and so it wasn't until like they were in there, like setting up their bunks and, and everything that I would that, like, I went and popped in and they're like, you're going to be here all week. <laughs> yes. Surprise. Um, yeah. And so one of my friends that I made, uh, while I was up there, her older brother was the director of, uh, this camp, Camp Eagle, um, one of the sections of Camp Eagle um, down here. And so I ended up going there between the summer of my junior and senior year in college and then ended up working there full time uh, right nice. after I graduated. And um, uh, eventually in October of 2014, uh, was fired for Dang. some attitude issues there. Uh, which Classic. Was, you know, there's the... It's good to get fired sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's like maybe... It's a drag. Maybe, but like maybe... Maybe you just didn't like me wanting to do things better and questioning <laughs> how things were happening. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, no questions. But... Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, just do it. Uh, no. Um, and But it was just like this crazy, uh, you know, awesome story that you know, is you know, has, has changed a lot and, you know, my, in my, my, my feelings and whatnot have changed, but still just like a really crazy circumstance where, um, I went back home for nine months, uh, and I worked at like this local mental health center there. I was a community case manager for hmm. some, some kids with, uh, behavioral and, um, and emotional problems, um, not problems. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Circumstances. Yeah. Circumstances. There you go. Uh, and that was, that was rough. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. a very difficult, um, that's heavy. Yeah. It's just a very heartbreaking there. And then really, I mean, I got, I got like two weeks into that job and I was like, Oh, I'm not going to do the job that they want at all because uh -huh. all of the voices in these kids' lives are saying like, yeah, there is a problem. Like there is something you need to fix that you mm. like need to be better. And I was like, these kids just need to like be able to be kids. Like, yeah, yeah we all got stuff we got to work on. And like, yeah, like this, 
you know, this kid knows that if he strips off all of his clothes in school and pees on them and locks himself in this room, like, that's a bad thing. Like, he knows that. That's why he's doing it. Right. <laughs> so maybe if we, like, give him attention in a good way. <laughs> right. Distract uh, yeah. him with something better. Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, I really would just spend time with these kids, you know, some of them once a month, some of them once a week, whatever, you know, their therapist uh, put on their treatment plan. And I was supposed to be working on like coping strategies and, and all this, but I was just hanging out. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. hey. Well, I think so much of that like yeah. formulaic stuff really, yeah. like for kids especially, they don't want to mm. learn the step-by-step process to make them yeah. an acceptable kid to all these mad adults. Yeah. Well, and it, and, and it was a really cool program because, like, I mean, it's all community-based. Like, mm. I, like Texas's mental health system is archaic. Like, it's it's pretty much yeah. just there's inpatient know. centers. Like, if mm. you're having a crisis, you know, you'll go to these places. They'll pretty much, like, hospitalize you essentially for however long it takes to get you out of crisis, and they'll give you some med prescriptions and huh. send you on your way. Um, but with uh with this community based program you know like like I was working with the kids uh the kids would have therapy with a therapist uh there was a parental coordinator um and there's people in in contact with you know kids schools and teachers and and yeah. everything and so it was really this uh holistic approach to it um, nice. but insurance was still involved and so there of was course. you know certain they would yeah. always they'd always tell us like like I had to write notes after every you know every session that I had with a kid and they're like you know look you know for a long time people thought like that it was only about like specific language that the insurance companies want to see uh but it's not about that but like here's some good language to use like if maybe <laughs> if you like used these words like right. that would be good but like it's not about the like yeah. but like the, like here's a like like specific so words. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it was, is that, and, and you know, the, yeah, the heartbreaking part about it was, um, yeah, was that, was it, you know, this isn't, this is just about the money and this of is course. just about the system and it's not about the kids. And a lot of times too, like just getting to know the kids and their situation, you'd know like, like, Oh, this is like, this is their like hour of freedom for the week. Mm. Like, and, and yeah, we're going to do like, there is going to be good work done, even though it's not necessarily me sitting down being like, all right, do your balloon and count to 10, like, and, and whatever. Um, these certain exercises. Yeah. Yeah. But there would be good work done, but then I'd, you know, I'd drop them off back home and just know, well, that's all undone in five minutes. Yeah. Like being back in that house. And, um, so yeah, it's just, that was a, that was a, a difficult time. And I was, I was already working on my, you know, working on leaving that. So I just, I just couldn't handle it after difficulty of getting fired from camp and everything. Um, and it was actually my old, one of my old bosses, not the one that ended up firing me. Um, but he reached out to me and was like, Hey, this, uh, this group or, or this church brought a group out. And, uh, back in January, this was like May, um, this group brought a, or this church brought a group out in January and, they just reached out and said they're looking for an associate youth pastor. You should apply. I know this is what you need to do. And I was oh, like, cool. oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I applied and I didn't hear anything for like two weeks. 
and I was out on a run and I got a call uh, from from the HR lady of, of the church and she was like, I just dropped my kids off uh, at a birthday party and I'm like out in the car <laughs> for a little bit. Do you have time for like an interview? <laughs> and I was like, uh, sure. So I was like, uh, you know, out in the middle of the country and uh, on my run and uh, started walking for a little bit and talking with her and uh, got a second interview and and they were like, okay, well, you know, it, you're, it says here, you know, you got fired from camp. So, like, we're going to have to call and get a reference. Like, what kind of reference are they going to give you? And I was like, well, it's my old boss that told me to apply for this. So I'd hope pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so that was that was Coker United Methodist Church, the church that I ended up down here in, at in San Antonio for four and a half years. Okay. Um, that's so, a pretty big one, right? I feel I've driven past it. Yeah, yeah, over off. Uh, Is it on 281? Uh, Wurzbach 281. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which everybody, you know, all of you out in uh, out in Iowa, you know Wurzbach 281. Oh, of course. You, you know exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Just picture it. It's a couple of roads, and there's a church. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. So, so you were there for four and a half years. There for four and a half years. Um, three years in, wow. uh, my boss stepped down. She was actually just a mom that had stepped into the role. Uh, there's just a lot of turnover, a lot really quickly, a lot of just crazy, crazy things that had happened in that youth department. Um, it used to be like a, a really big youth group, really big program. And, you know, just, you know, there's, I always said, you know, the, the only better, the only better way to kill a youth program besides, you know, just constant transition is, you know, diddling kids. Um, mm. <laughs> and so real. usually it's the transition thing that kills the youth programs. Um, yeah. but, uh, and so what, yeah, with all that transition, you know, it, it, it just, it was, uh, falling apart. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of holding on. And, and so she just felt, you know, led and literally called the, to step in, she left her job teaching at a high school in the middle of the year, like on Christmas break and wow. stepped into that. And then six months later hired me. And, and so we just kind of, our whole goal was just, we just want to, we just want to create a place where kids want to be. Mm. And, and, and we did that and it was awesome. We had so many parents and like, that's one of the things I'm most proud of in, in my professional career is, you know, we had so many parents that would tell us like, this is like the only place that my kid feels like they belong or mm. like that they can be themselves or they're accepted. And yeah. so we did that. And, and because of that, the, the program grew and I hate talking about numbers cause it's not about that. Um, but it was, it was just very clear that like, okay, like, like something else, me and, um, and my boss, her name was Amy, um, fantastic woman. Um, you know, we were doing, we were shouldering a lot of like the, the relational, um, work with, with those students. And, you know, you get to a point where you can only do so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my, uh, and burnout my, in churches is yeah huge. Oh, I oh mean, yeah. That, and, because there's so many responsibilities and things mm-hmm. put on people and it's all so often like, Oh, this you need to serve. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. here to serve, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but also you got to take care of people. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. And that was, um, 
Yeah, that was part of my difficulty there. So so after three years, she stepped down, um, and I got passed over for the director position, even mm. though they had, had been there. Yeah, had been there three years. You know, built what that pro like helped was a very core part of that program becoming what it was and that group becoming that community becoming what it was. Um, but yeah, I got passed over, uh, and there's a few red flags there that I probably should have looked at and, and ended my time there, um, at that point. Um, but I wanted one, you know, like my dad has had such a big impact on me and he is just the most dedicated and, and committed man I've, you know, ever met in my life, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was there, like I said, at central for 37 years and you know, wow. was, yeah. you know, not making nearly close to the amount that someone who has been in a position for 37 years should be like, right. but that was, you know, he, he believed, um, and still believes in the mission of, of central. And even though he had a less than gracious exit from there, um, mm. thanks to his bosses, uh, Man. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So, uh, they hired another guy and it was very difficult to work. Right. Uh, it was under in, someone new un- after you had spent so much time building up the program and, and someone part of it. who, you know, I, I, I felt very strongly and still do feel strongly that I, I knew what needed to happen next. Like what, you know, Amy yeah. stepped down because she felt like there is something new happening um, or something new that needs to happen. And I don't know what that is or how to do that. Mm. And so I need to, I need to let his next. And so like she even told, you know, the pastors and the search committee, like this should be Brendan and the parents and the students said yeah. this should be Brendan and the pastors and the church committee said this should be someone else. Mm. Yeah. Which is now part of my, issue with the whole structure of church and <laughs> a lot of things that we do that it's just like if you have a whole community crying out for this is what we need yeah and then you tell them no yeah nah, i've got i've got the fancy piece of paper so sit yeah. down and listen um but uh yeah that that year and a half working under that uh my my new boss who did a lot of uh, a lot of work to deconstruct what we had done, mm. and just was was not a gracious person, was not a kind person, was not a gentle person, was not. Yeah, so it was a hard. Yeah, it's sad how many times I've heard of things like that happening yeah. in churches, and yeah, it's just like I don't know. Also, just the animosity that gets built up in ministry so mm. often, and the drama and different things, you know, where it's yeah. like. Yeah, because everybody wants yeah. to do things their way, you know, and have have their control mm-hmm. and different things. And so, yeah. one one thing that like it's my, hard to get past that, right? One thing that my pastor like told me um, throughout that like whole process and in that time was he was like, you know, you I know you have like these ideal. Um, okay, first off, it's hilarious hearing your watch click every time <laughs> because. Uh, Let's just get this out of the way. Sometime afternoon is a great song. Thank you so much, Brennan. And I smile every time I hear it. <laughs> I'm so and glad. It makes me happy, which is uh, which is pretty often, uh, somewhat <laughs> somewhat often. But every time I hear your watch, I'm like, that's it's the watch so, on sometime afternoon. It's so funny. I was with Cameron <laughs> yesterday, and he 
is the guy who came up with mm-hmm. the drum beat for that song. And he heard yeah. my watch beep yesterday, and he's like, ah. ah. And I, yeah. I'm so glad we left that in the track. Yeah, it's great. It's a great little outro. It's so fun. Um, so, yeah, I was talking with, with my pastor, and he was like, you know, you, you, I know being young in ministry and, and, and this work, but, like, is you have such these, like, big ideals and, and everything, but you got to, you know, realize, like, this is about like balancing ministry and business. And I was like, oh, okay, mm. like, I get that. But then at the end of my time there, I, and, uh, I just started realizing like, if we're looking for the balance between ministry and business, like every time it came down to making that choice, we went with the business. Right. <laughs> like, and, and so that's, you know, that's my struggle with just like the institution of the church. Like I love the people of the church and the yeah. community. And, and I truly like, you know, I think a lot of media's representation of Christians like is, you know, trying to stir outrage. Um, yeah. However, there are plenty of people like they, they, they can't stir that outrage because those people exist. Right. <laughs> and, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's this, any yeah. institution that's run by humans right is going to have flaws mm-hmm. you know and i think it's so easy to get caught up in all of the negatives yeah. and there's so much louder you know i mean as far as yeah. what gets publicity and stuff are things that go wrong yeah. the good things that are happening because of church communities don't get near as much attention yeah. and uh yeah i mean i think it's it's so important to remember that those good things are still happening. Mm-hmm. And as a believer, I want to, cause I, I, I'm, I've been slow at getting plugged in at a church, you know, because yeah. I like going to all kinds of churches and yeah, trying yeah. things out. And what are, you, what are your feelings on like house churches? I love ever... house churches. No, oh, my faith. <laughs> yeah, dude. But just, yeah, because I don't... I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Right, yeah. I think it's such a good thing to be able to be in a community and actually foster relationships and things like that. Oh, the future of the church in America has to be small. Like Right. Well, it's like the local church is so crucial. Yeah. But it's... I also... I, I really want every denomination in Christianity, I want there to be more coming together... Despite like a, denominational boundaries, you know, geez, it's like something similar to like maybe like a globalization. Is that sure? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I've heard that. It's inevitable. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna happen, dude. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it has to an extent, um, right? Already, but um, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, where are you at you know, right now? Like, I, you're not I a youth pastor anymore. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so after I left Coker, I went to, I went to a church that I'd found online and on a line online job bank in North Carolina. Uh, and that was, um, no, November, I started out there in November, 2019 and it was a really rough start. I had like an anxiety attack, like the second week I was out there, I just didn't realize Mm -hmm. how burned out I was, um, from that last year and a half at, at, at Coker. Um, which was really tough, uh, you know, for a while, like I'm a very like all or nothing black and white person when it comes to like my experiences and stuff. And I'm working on it in therapy. It's kind of good. Good on you. Brought up every week that I'm there <laughs> with Dr. Salinas. Uh, <laughs> um, 
And so for a while, I was like, oh my gosh, that like that whole experience was terrible, and it ended this way. Uh, but then I was like, actually, no, like those first three years, like those years I got to share with Amy and. You know, like I said, just like that work that we did, that's some of the work I'm most proud of. Um, yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. Those, that last year and a half, I stopped, you know, taking care of myself in the way that I needed. And, and I, and I did feel that I was not cared for in the way that I needed. You know, that's another problem right. with the church. When you hire these people and you pay them, you think, oh, well, this is your job. You're supposed to do this on your own and everything. So it's like you're separated from the community that you're a part of. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, I don't, well, like, I need to be cared for. And, right. like, that's the person to do it because, like, we pay them money, and that's how jobs work, being in business. And, and yeah. then all of a sudden you've, you know, ostracized, you know, the person there in community. And that's never that was never the intention of church and and this right. know, Jesus-centered community. Uh, so, I, yeah, I went out to North Carolina. I had, like, this anxiety attack, I, I, uh, which put me at odds with um, with the pastor there. It was a really small church. There's only four of us on staff. And so, wow. you know, and, and it was a church that, like, like, that they had built up, you know, in the mm-hmm. same way that I, I had helped Amy, and we had worked to build that program, and so they were very protective of it and and loving and caring for it. And so, you know, that was, I, I was like the first like full-time paid position, um, that, that they were able to say like, Oh, we're definitely going to be able to, or or we're committing to sustaining this. Yeah. Um, and so when I came out and, and had that slow start and it wasn't, you know, what they thought it was, like I said, it put me at odds with, with a pastor out there. And, and, uh, so I, I was just working my way, you know, I had to climb myself out of a hole or dig myself out of a hole, um, mm. right from the beginning. And it was just a struggle. It was just a real big struggle for me. Um, and, and I just felt now looking back on it and, you know, realizing like the state of depression and everything that I was in, I, it's like, I, I feel like I was watching, like when I think about that, it's like from like a third person perspective, like I, mm. like I picture my house sort and like me, yeah, like me walking around it and like, Oh my, yeah, wait, that was my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so I was out there for about five months and then COVID hit. Oh yeah. Uh, and this being such a small church, only four of us on staff, and my position just barely being established it took about two months um, to realize, you know, well, we started like with this goal. We very intentionally said like our goal is to for all four of us to make it through this, um, and and um, but it just it just wasn't going to happen. And and so and and I told them from the beginning I was like you know this is going to be longer than two weeks. Like everyone's trying to say it's going to be. Right. And we know that. And like, and so I realized the situation that we're in, like I know that I'm on the chopping block. So just mm. putting that out there. So no yeah. one has like, I understand that. And I'm fine with that. And, you know, it came down to it and, you know, and I did not have, you know, any sort of a life established out there at that point. And, right. and so I moved back to San Antonio, um, and I actually tried, you know, at that point I knew I was like, I just, I can't do the youth, the youth thing anymore. There's such, so many different expectations from so many different people, parents, the church, older people, younger people, like all yeah. this. Um, and Lots I was like, of people to please. Yeah. And so 
I convinced myself, I was like, oh, I need to, like, if I did, you know, one of my, one of my friends called me who works at another church here and she's like, I know you, I know your ministry. Like, I want you to come help me work with college students and young adults. Hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that would be like a whole different context. Like I could do that. Yeah. 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 And then I got like seven months into that and there's a lot of tension with that because I never was able to like fully commit and, you know, to start hmm. creating programs or, or ideas. And I was just having such a tough time coming. I was like, I was trying to, but then when it came down to it, I was just avoiding, avoiding trying to do that work and just realize like, Oh, like this is, this is dead for me. <laughs> like I can't, yeah, I can't do this. I was reading, I, I, I read a book um, called how to survive a shipwreck and it was uh, a pastor's account of like how he left his first pastoral role from this church that he had planted and, and created. And it was like that same, is is just crazy. Like the the imagery that he used in that book was like everything that I was feeling, and so, hmm. so I actually I read that when I left North Carolina, and that's how I was like, oh, I'm like, there's there's a note that I have written in there somewhere. It was like, oh, I'm not a youth pastor anymore, <laughs> and and then I started reading it again about seven months into my uh, into that college and young adults job, and I literally got one chapter in, and I was like, oh. I got to have a conversation with him tomorrow. Tell him I'm quitting. <laughs> like, cause I realized like this, this yeah, just, just like, not a... yeah, I, I can't do this. I can't be what they need to be, what they need in this position. And, um, and, and yeah, that's kind of freeing, right? Like, yeah. Did you feel some relief from oh, that to absolutely. be able to sort of step away and I, let yourself be set free? Yeah. That, I mean, like even in that conversation the next morning, um, my friend who had, she had known me through like some, young adult stuff and, and everything. Uh, she, she was like, you don't need to like justify this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I can see you in this conversation, a you that I haven't seen in the seven months that you've worked here. So like, uh, yeah, you're out <laughs> and, and right. I'm happy. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, and you know, so that was your last ministry job. That was my last ministry job. I needed money. And I was like, what's And is it now, September? do you feel in a place where you don't really see yourself working in ministry again? Or is it something where if you did, it would be quite a ways down the road? I, right now, I cannot picture that happening. I, again, yeah. like just my, working out my feelings towards the institution of the church. Again, mm-hmm. I had still very much have my faith. A yeah. lot of me is questioning whether the institution of the church shares that same faith and that same mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, the practicality of loving your neighbor and right. and and that being the focus, the focus not being on heaven afterwards, but how do we bring heaven here and now? Right, like, which is like what Jesus. If Jesus talked about heaven, he talked about either, yeah. like he did say, "I'm going to prepare a place for you." But other than that, it was like, yeah, kingdom come, kingdom baby, come, yeah, yeah, like like right now, and uh, yeah, and so there's just there's a lot of a lot of difficulty that I have with that seeing stuff being jaded from, you know, working on the, on the inside and, um, and, and yeah. And, and, and a lot of, uh, yeah, everything being tied in so politically now and so many, you know, so many different aspects to everything now yeah and so much heightened, just everything feels turned up really intensely, you know? Yeah. And I think, in regards to things like church and whatnot, I, I feel a lot of young Christians, as and by young I mean like folks like us in their 20s yeah. and 30s, yeah. who 
maybe grew up in the church, you know, or it's if, been... If you go work something. with uh, middle school and high school students for a while, you will not feel young anymore. Yeah. Mostly because they'll tell you every day that you're old, but... I, that makes sense. <laughs> I remember leading worship in high school at my youth group yeah. in Iowa, and... Yeah, I remember that too. Those kids were so mean to me. <laughs> and maybe it's because I wasn't in a wheelchair yet, but man, yeah. these kids would just be so mean. They were yeah. like, and I was like a senior in high school, yeah. so I was still a kid. But they were like sixth and seventh graders, oh, and dude. they would just be ruthless. They, yeah. And I was yeah. so that's, taken aback by that, yeah. you know? And, so, and, that's, and that's, yeah, there's so much of that that goes into like, my my difficulty with the church and everything because you see that I mean, kids, especially like young kids these days, uh, with like part of the the benefit of the screens and the social media and everything, and and them being born into it and raised right. by it, you know, not having an experience other than like, dude, you you cannot get away with faking anything like their whole life is created online like the right you know so many of these so many of the kids in people in college and everything now grew up with finstas and like yeah like putting on like literally having two different accounts displaying two different personalities mm -hmm. and two different sides of themselves and like and like that was their real life like like we we talk about it, it was like yeah okay social media whatever like like no, like that's a part of their whole social structure, right? And and it's not just a like displaying and or wanting attention and everything like that defines friendships and and everything. Yeah, and it's so bizarre. Yeah, and, and they're so good at 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 putting on this persona that when they see people doing that in real life, like they mastered that so long ago. And so when they see like I like I heard you know kind of like the phrase like measured vulnerability which is not vulnerability right. <laughs> like yeah. in ministry and stuff. And when they see that, they're like, nope. Yeah. BS. And I'm better at this than it. you. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they see through so, and that's part of the, like, like they'll evaluate you in a minute and be like, I'm gonna make this kid cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, For real. Kids are ruthless. And, but they see so much and they, and they realize so much and so much more than we give them credit for. And that's part of the for issue. Sure. It's part of the issue that I have, like with youth ministry, is well, we, a lot of it probably depends on treating kids like they're dumb. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, yeah. It's, and it's there's not. just to I don't know, just the whole universe that exists online and how large a part that plays in everyone's lives, especially the younger generation, yeah. because of the whole yeah, just being born into it, you know? Because like I spent. The first 18 years of my life or 17 years of my life without Instagram being a thing. No. You know? Yeah. And now to imagine being born into this world of just everyone has a supercomputer in their pocket all the time. Right. And you can look up anything. And yeah. It's insane. It's too much to bear. It makes me want to no, become... A pioneer, like a homeschooling <laughs> pioneer that raises my family Let me out know, man. in the deserts of yes. Utah. Not Mormon, but <laughs> you know, yes. isolated. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, because it, yeah, man, how can you escape the the pressures of modern society when it, everything is just constantly berating you? Yeah, all yeah. the time with all the internet. Yeah. And, 
and that's, expectations and and again that like that goes into you know my trying to trying to piece out you know just where I am you know faith wise and and everything is is it, it the church it feels so much that the institution of the church like wants to separate itself from all that, you know, we hear like countercultural and mm-hmm. in the world, not of the world and, and everything. But like, that's, if that was the goal, like we wouldn't have Jesus, like the incarnation wouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of like the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, just like wanting to pull back and wanting to separate, but the whole point is to go into is right. to enter into these contexts. And that was um I mean that was that was my my whole goal in you know in being with with students and kids was, you know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and like teach you things and whatnot. Like and that's not like that's not what Zach did. Zach, you know, he he sat down with me and it wasn't a, yeah. all right, well, let's come together once a week and I'm a build relationship, drill these Bible verses. And, yeah. Right? right. Like, like, you know, and so it's, it's jumping into that and I, I just, it's hard for me to see the church, the institution of the church doing that. Hmm. Um, yeah. I get my encouragement to you is to not become cynical, you know, because I think that's such a can you, tempting thing so often. Can you, Create a time machine. <laughs> no, we'll go back like, like we'll say six years. <laughs> Find me, like right when you moved here. Actually, that'd be perfect time. Oh shoot! Because <laughs> actually, that was the exact time that I got passed over for the job. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. May twenty eighteen, right? Is that? Yeah. Uh, did I get that right? That May twenty eighteen is when I came May here. May twenty eighteen. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So if you, yeah, just. First thing you do, you know, get into town and then just find me. Shoot, man. Wheel on up and be like, hey. Hey, Don't don't become cynical. Don't become cynical. (laughs) It's not too late, Brandon. Again, therapy. Therapy. Yeah, right. Hallelujah, dude. Therapy's good. We're working on it. Everybody, yes. I I don't know. I feel that there's such a... Go get therapy. This day and age, like the the hyper aggression and rage that everybody feels about things... I think one of the most important because, and especially in like the deconstructionist thing online that's so big among so many Christians, yeah. you know, which I get because so many people have been hurt by the church and yeah. experienced traumatic yeah. situations, you know. Um, I just, I I want to constantly encourage everyone, you know, to not fall prey to cynicism. And not even just in the church necessarily, but in all regards, because I think it's so we rob ourselves of so much when we allow ourselves to become mm. super jaded and like what forget the tenderness, you know? Yeah. But what? I mean, yeah, we we can rob ourselves a lot, but you can also uh, make really good jokes <laughs> for you know? sure. Yeah, which I I appreciate that. And I, but I think that there's, that's the thing too yeah. I've wondered about. I, I love the thought of trying stand up comedy someday because that not, in and of itself is a joke. I, I can't stand. Yeah, but, I was going to say it's going to be a little rough for you. Right. But, but <laughs> I don't like, I feel that I, I really enjoy people and I like to be yeah. Uh, joyful. Yeah. It seems like a lot of comics are 
you know, dude, chronically depressed. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're telling me not to get cynical. But and you're you like, but I want to do stand. Get cynical and depressed. These jokes start coming, baby. Because <laughs> once you realize it nothing is. matters, you just joke about uh, all of it. Do you feel you're a nihilist? No, no. Nah, you know no. things matter. Yeah, unfortunately. Have you ever read The Stranger by Albert Camus? I have not. Again, I'm illiterate. He was a French okay. philosopher or something mm. and a nihilist. Mm. And that was one of the books I read for English in high school. Oh, okay. And... Man, it's a wild book. French. I really enjoyed it. See, that's that's my problem with the English English assignments. This guy's a French writer. This is <laughs> well, we could choose what book we wanted to read. Yeah. And I had heard that one was good. Yeah. And it, it really was. It was a great read, but it was... Uh, Nihilism seems like quite the, the hefty subject matter for a high schooler. Pretty intense, yeah. <laughs> Delve into, yeah. But it helped, uh, yeah. it helped sort of fortify my beliefs that I already have. Where I, you know, I believe in meaning. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think life matters, yeah. you know. And this guy really just seems very sad. My closest relationship with uh, nihilism in high school was the album No Sir, Nihilism is Not Practical by Showbread. Oh, so, yeah, you know, a little showbread, oh, man. I love me some showbread. Baby. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. They played a show in Oskaloosa one time. They played a show in Hutchinson, Kansas, and my <laughs> friend's band opened up for them. It was, That's rad. It was. It was very rad. Did, I yeah, they, they went to the mild, mild west. Yes. They're, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned showbread. Oh, man. I had love forgotten it. about them kind of. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Uh, that like that year, uh, you know, of my life kind of going downhill at Coker, I rediscovered uh, Matthias Replaces Judas uh, um, from that album, yeah. which uh, my favorite band growing up was Five Iron Frenzy. Oh, yeah. Um, and Reese Roper does right guest on. vocals on, yeah. on that. And uh, man, it's got some beautiful lyrics. It's pretty man. wild. The beautiful the music, lyrics. like the hardcore scene mm. that existed in oh, Christian you, music. You, you want know? you want to talk about deconstruction? Like you want you want to be surprised <laughs> that like this whole generation is doing it when like that was the stuff we were exposed to in youth group. Like that, like Showbread has has so much good stuff. Uh, I mean, Five Iron Frenzy did as as well. Like going back through that and there. You know their their push for um, equality and justice, like especially with uh, you know Reese Rober had a lot of connections to the Native American community, um, and uh, and then um, as cities burn, as cities burn, oh, yeah. has some like you if you go and like listen to those lyrics uh, and everything, it's you're like oh okay, like this is even even like Norma Jean, oh man, and me without you, I love oh. me without you. Yes. Man, that's Speaking fun. Speaking my language. Yeah. Well, dude, we've done another 40 minutes here. Man, that, Brendan, went, that went quick. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about. You could come on again someday. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, we, yeah we've, we've hardly scratched the surface. Yeah, but, I mean, we, there's, uh, truly, yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot of details that I could have gone into. Instead, I went into other tangents that probably weren't relevant. No, it's all good, That's man. how I do it. It's great. It's Oops, I Miss Church, baby. Oops. Yeah. I miss church. And the church misses you, Brother Brandon. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Jesus juked. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, thank you so much for yeah. joining me, dude. Thanks for having me, this man. This was a treat. This was. And thank you, lovely listener, for lending your ears on another Sunday afternoon. 
Beloved listener, thank you so much for listening. Oops, I Missed Church is hosted and produced by me, Micah Leverton. You, yes, you, are invited to be a guest. If you have anything you would like to share, please send an email to oopsimissedchurch at gmail.com. Please remember, this podcast is first a radio show, gracefully platformed on KMZN of southeastern Iowa, in the wonderful town of Oskaloosa. You can tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time by going to RadioKMZN.com and clicking Listen Live. Or, if you find yourself so fortunate to be driving through the southeastern corner of Iowa between 3 and 5 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, tune that radio to 99.5 FM or 7.40 a.m. You've been listening to Oops, I Missed Church, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Everton. Go and love your neighbor.